Tanner. Ho, 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 ho. Welcome to the Tet Manor podcast festive edition. It's not quite Christmas yet, but everyone's feeling very Christmassy. We had a bit of a uh, sulk last week after the MK game, but what a fantastic week it's it's been since then. Uh, two games played, loads going on, which means we'll probably have a podcast that lasts about seven hours. Um, although there's only three of us this week. Um, so three of us for the last pod before Christmas. Uh, Connor, are you feeling festive? I'm feeling more festive after uh, a nice little result yesterday. That put me in a good mood yesterday. So uh, yeah, I'm feeling festive. I'm currently sat looking at the Christmas tree. I've got a beer in hand. It's it's all good. It's all good. Nice, nice. I have some whiskey. I've just tasted it and it tastes like shit. But I'm gonna <laughs> keep, keep drinking it. Mm. <laughs> it really isn't very nice. Anyway. Um Good. What have you asked for for Christmas, Con? I know you've got a mic potentially on the way. Yeah, uh, a microphone hopefully coming um, just to bump up the quality of of my services on this podcast anyway. Um, I haven't asked for anything, to be honest, other than that. Um, it's just it's just potluck nowadays. I quite like it like that, though. I don't I don't particularly want anything. I'm, you know, I'm getting on now, you see. I'm old. I'm just not, it's, it's not for me anymore. It's for the kids. It's the niece and nephew. They're the ones that are, it's all about. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, ben, have you asked for a Dalek action figure for Christmas? <laughs> the full lot. TARDIS. TARDIS. Uh, yeah, just uh, different coloured Daleks. They're always important. <laughs> They're different colours? Okay, yeah. good. Uh, and it, any 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 Christmas traditions for you, Ben? Uh, we always... Uh, it's a board game. I won't explain it because it's too complicated, but it's American. It's from the 30s. We always play it on Boxing Day. It's, it's pretty much like card bingo. Okay, sounds great. It's good fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. Connor, do you have any Oxford-based Christmas traditions? I always get sad at this yes. time of year because I, I never get to go, well, I'm not going back to Oxford over Christmas and usually all my mates go to the Royal Oak near St. Giles on Christmas Eve and all all kind of generations seem to gather there and I always have to miss out. I think the one thing that we always do is we go to football. On, a, on Boxing Day when there's a game on. Uh, it's always been something that's um, kind of lived through my family with you know, with my nan and granddad when they were both um, able to go to football. We used to always go with them and my mum comes along. So yeah, fo- Boxing Day football is something that happens in my family a lot. So my mum and my dad, obviously, and myself will go into the, to the game on Boxing Day. So that's kind of the only tradition that we have really, which is quite good because it centres around Oxford, which, you know, can't beat nice. it, can you? Can't beat it. No, you can't beat it. Right, we've got this is going this is going to be a long one. Let, let's crack on. News time. Oh crap, where's the news? Here we go. Hello, this is the news. I just realised that John's not here, so he can't do his kind of made-for-news. We haven't got a made-for-news voice today. What was that? <laughs> Something ominous. I feel, I feel like I've lowered the depth of my voice to do this properly. Anyway, uh, first bit of news. So uh, a Fabio Lopez strike sent uh, the under-18s through to the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup. That was great. So that was a 1-0 win over Maidenhead at Court Place Farm. And they're playing... 
I've already forgotten, lads. I just told you. Who was it? Preston. Did I say Preston? Preston? Yeah, Preston. So I think they've got Preston in the fourth round, but good luck to them. Uh, second bit of news, mural up on the East Stand. Uh, Jim Smith and Maurice Evans right in the centre of that. Ben, that looks great, doesn't it? It was fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a solid, great bit of work. It's a great time to be able to get that up as well um, ahead of that City game and all of those shots that were flying around social media. You know, it was brilliant to see, see it. Uh, Connor, any thoughts on that? I guess you've seen it firsthand now. How's it looking? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, the game against City, I was uh, very, very close to it because I was at the back of the, uh, I'm going to call it the Jim Smith stand. I was at the back of the, the Jim Smith stand. So I was very close to it. So I had a good look. Yeah, it's really good. Adds a lot of character, uh, much needed character, I may add, particularly after, um, obviously, you know, the, the incidents with the flags and whatever that went on previously. Um, so yeah, it's it's really good. And I like to see a lot of the photos that I voted for are on there as well. So you know, me being biased, that's good as well. It's just, yeah, it just adds a touch of class, a much needed class, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, there was also the Jim Smith surfer that was obviously uh, unveiled uh, in yesterday's game against Wickham. So that was organised and funded by the Ultras. So I thought they disbanded, but they must have, they must still be doing stuff in the background. But Oxfox are taking donations because ultimately the Ultras paid for that out of their own pockets, which is you know, fantastic on them, but they're taking donations, Oxfox on PayPal. So if people want to get involved in that, they can. And I will add on that. It was absolutely fantastic on, on Saturday. So hats off to everyone. Was it surreal being underneath that? I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't underneath it on the, on that game. I was in the uh, South stand for the Wickham game. Um, so Unfortunately, I wasn't underneath it, but it was, yeah, it, it looked absolutely fantastic and hats off to everyone who was involved with that. I think it was a really, really nice touch. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing, I was going to bring this up later, but there it was an absolutely brilliant Telegraph article and it was a very, very long article and I'd recommend anyone goes goes and reads it because it was written by their chief football correspondent, um, but he must have spent, you know, a few days with Oxford to be able to go to the level of detail that he goes to. But he covers a few days leading up to the Man City game and similar to that kind of mic'd up programme that BT Sport ran. It really helped to kind of emphasise KRs and the coaching staff's attention to detail um, and how they go about looking at tactics and their motivation style and all that good stuff. Um Mackie and Moose, you could see them being the leaders of the players throughout, and that was kind of docu- well documented, and kind of were seen as an extension of the coaching staff. Brannigan punished um, <laughs> at one point for moaning about coming off at MK, so they they referenced a load of things that we just wouldn't know about. But it, do you remember that um, Ben? He was kind of having a bit of a, a hissy when he was coming off with like five ten minutes left. Yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't particularly happy. I mean, it was not the not the worst we've ever seen from a player, which I guess is why it was just a bit of a minimal punishment. But yeah. I mean, fair enough. It's just a, it's a bit of fun between the coaching staff and the players. But yeah, yeah. You, should, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be happy. I guess coming off. Yeah, it's it's healthy, isn't it, to not be happy. But uh, it was interesting seeing that he was punished during training and doing press ups and made to apologise to the coaching staff uh, for the way he acted. Obviously, they were the coaching staff were trying to protect him, be it that he was just back from injury. Um, Fosu, it was noted that he wasn't happy about his MK performance and he was lingering around to speak to KR to stake a claim basically for the team against City, be it that he hadn't been playing in the Cups thus far. 
and he was told um, that was kind of, you know, he was rather than focusing on his game against MK, he was really there to just try and make sure he was getting a place in that team for the city. But that was interesting. Um, he mentioned as well, someone was told they weren't getting a uh, place in the city team. And then they were going off alone and eating lunch by themselves and that type of thing. KR made a point to say, you know, if people think that's going to get through to him in a way that's going to influence his decisions, then that's not the way it's going to work. So I found that interesting to read. And then you had all the good stuff like you saw in the BT Sport um, program where you saw the drone set up again for the training game, teams playing in the relevant colours based on the game that's coming up, KR standing in the middle of the game, refing it, screaming instructions, halting the game at regular intervals, correcting shape, delivering message of guidance and advice and motivation, and then using the footage afterwards to go back and sit with the coaching staff and look at the shape and the identifying things like the forwards were too narrow but that attention to detail again in the last two three weeks Connor like it's you know we didn't know this was a thing I guess no and I think um like you say the real sort of the nuances of what goes on behind behind the scenes is something that a lot of football fans you know including myself don't we don't we don't know all the ins and outs of what occur and I think it came at a really nice time particularly with the all the the hype around the Man City game and also the Wickham game because you know obviously they were top of the league etc. And it was quite nice for was the fans who read it or who who were involved and who watched the uh, the mic'd up series or the program to really yeah. have a look at what's yeah. going on in the background before these big games and kind of get a bit of an idea of what happens. And I think it, it's I mean the article I haven't finished reading it. It's that long. Um, <laughs> I've just been kind of picking it <laughs> exactly, up. Yeah. yeah, I've just been picking it up here and there and just trying to get through it. And But just some of the things on there were just were, were great. And I really feel like Kyle Robinson, is, he's, he's got his own culture and how he wants to integrate that into our into our club. And it seems as though it's a Carl Robinson-esque club now. It seems like, you know, he's got what he wants and it's working for him at the moment. And I hope long may that continue as well, I may add. Yeah. Uh, we're a real focus for national media, it seems at the moment. Like a load and a load of good publicity over the last two weeks, and it's it's fantastic stuff. And just on um, KR, they reference his pre-match routine and how he he lives in Milton Keynes. He goes for a walk on match days around Milton Keynes. Then he gets to the Kassam, has a bath. They referenced seeing him in a towel walking around with Bruce Springsteen on in the background. That seems to be his routine. And then apparently the players get in and then just obviously change the music to whatever's cool these days like the hmm. witched or the spice girls or whatever it may be moose spice and faz <laughs> moose and faz also getting involved with kind of pre-match motivational talks and that type of thing trying to bring the boys on um but yeah all of it honestly if you haven't if you're listening to this and you haven't gone and read that please read it you might need an hour or so it's a long piece but um yeah i'd highly recommend reading that um and also, in you, God, there's a lot of news this week because the fans forum also happened since the last pod. So that was interesting as well. Went on for just under an hour, I think. Um, but obviously, it's where fans. I think it was. It was. Uh, it took place at the training ground. Um, but obviously, fans can turn up and pose questions. And Tiger was there. Uh, Mr. Mac was there. Kr was there. And Zaki, I think it was. Um, some of the questions were interesting, like. Uh, what's the club's policy on recycling or something? I, I know it's an important thing in society in general, but still, you know, it was an interesting one to pose. I think Mr. Mac took that and gave a really solid answer, to be fair. Um, 
another question was how do we deal with the dark arts? And KR was saying that he just basically he always has stats there ready to kind of reference and to kind of back up the points he wants to make. And he was saying that I think we've got three of the top 15 most challenges um, and we have to be cute. He's talked about being cuter and saying Tariq is one of the most foul players in the division. We have the highest percentage of bookings to challenges when we have a strong referee and he rephrased to a good referee, we'll do better. Um, and he, he did say, he did go and say, one thing we do struggle with is when teams get in our face. And when we have James Henry there, we cope, we seem to cope with it better because he runs beyond the press. And when we have Woody, um, Woodburn, oh God, there's news on that as well as went. We can touch on now. <laughs> Woodburn's broken his other foot, which is obviously really, really annoying. I don't know when the date was, but I think it was towards the end of Feb. Yeah, yeah, March. Yeah, about March time, is it? Didn't they? Before he'll yeah. be, before he'll be probably uh, fit and I would say raring to go um, if he if he recovers properly. Um, I, I really feel for the lad, to be honest. But when I saw the yeah. news, I was kind of gutted for him as much as I was for you know being an Oxford fan, but. I was gutted for him as well, actually. You know, he's such a young lad. He wants to play football. And he was given the opportunity at Oxford to play. And unfortunately, due to some of the injuries, he's he's not going to be playing as much as he wants. But hopefully he'll he, he, recover. His form was just turning as well, wasn't it? Like he was getting yeah. more assists and taking it past players. And he was just, you know, on getting a few... Yeah, it was a shame. It was really bad timing. Um, Another thing was music at the ground. Someone asked about that and said, why do we have Sweet Caroline? Ben, are you a fan of this song? Because I, I personally, I can't stand it. And I always, I always feel like I can't bring that up. I'm a fan of the song, uh, sung in German beer halls when you're all pissed after about eight steins of beer. I'm not sure it's necessarily, I don't think of Oxford and I think of Sweet Caroline. Yeah. So I wouldn't, it w- I wouldn't mind it if there's a different song was played at the ground. Connor, any bewitched song that you would replace it with? There's <laughs> not a bewitched song, but there is a song, "Yellow and Blue" by Park Hill, which is the you know the uh, "My Heart Beats for You," the yellow and the blue. That song, yeah, you know that song. That is a much better tune to be played that relates. To, I mean, obviously, it's not written about Oxford United, but. It relates to us far better. And I, I'm also with Ben. I'm a bit sick of the Sweet Caroline, to be honest with you, especially after games where, you know, like we lost to City. And okay, okay, right. It was a really good performance. and I'm not knocking that at all. But then to be start playing that after, over the town, I'm like, oh, really? Like, can't be asked yeah. with this. It's just not, nah, for me, for me, I'm a bit sick of it. So I kind Con- of wouldn't mind. Connie, you, you probably won't remember it, but Ben, do you remember the Gladiators intro music from the 90s? Yeah. I feel like we should go back. You know when all the the people like Wolf and Hunter are turning around. Hey, 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 I used to I used to watch Gladiator. I'm not that young. Well, you said it wrong. I said what? It's gladiators. Wrong? Oh, Gladiators. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Maybe I watched the remake. Anyway, <laughs> they added an just, S. <laughs> I feel like I've always felt like that would be great music for the players to walk out to. Another one that was referenced was Eye of the Tiger, and then and Tiger obviously was asked that, uh, and he said, "Yes, too, I like that." It's too basic. It's definitely basic. It's so basic. Anyway, moving on from music chat, uh, KR referenced that there were four right backs on the cards given the Cadden situation. He said one was a, a perm who we'd really like to sign. Um, and he that was our focus. And there were three loans, um, which are all done deals if we want to go ahead with them. I think two of them were from Premier League teams. 
So that was interesting. Another question was about the preseason tour and that we we're already planning based on every possible different scenario, like whether we get automatic promotion, whether in the playoffs, whether we're finishing mid-table. There's a different plan afoot, which I thought was really good. It shows the level of organisation that goes into the club. Portugal, Spain and Holland were referenced. Ben, what would be your preference there? Uh, <laughs> Holland. I think Holland would be good. Holland, okay. Smoke some... Ganja, is it? <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Mr. Mac. Um, <laughs> Bear the devil's lettuce, apparently. That's what I mean. <laughs> Mr. Mac then said uh, he was reaching, well, reaching out to the community, enhancing the fan base was a big focus. I think someone asked a question about it. And it's good to, I, we've heard, you know, it's repetition from previous posts and that type of thing. But I do think it's really important to keep drilling the point home. But you're saying that they're prepping for the championship on and off the pitch. Um, there's soon going to be eight 800,000 people in Oxfordshire. And he said schools were a big part of the strategy to engage the county. Um, and then I, there was a great, I don't know if you two listened to this, but then Tiger chipped in right at the end of this section and went, you're basically targeting the babies born in Oxfordshire, the JR babies. He was saying that, right, there are 7,000, he went, there are 7,000 babies born in Oxfordshire. He gave no time period he just said there are seven thousand born in oxfordshire we want to get to them and i was like oh <laughs> that sounds wrong but i kind of understand what unless they like donate a sleep suit with an oxford you know yes baby grows oxford baby yeah, grows i love that yeah i had yeah. one of those i've got a picture of me do you know what we were only looking through family photos today when i had some of the family round and there was a pit found a picture of me in an oxford baby grow that's the exactly. that's gonna be that's gonna be the podcast's cover. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. I reckon we should get um yeah we should get Tiger to donate baby grows Oxford United baby grows to the JR and we'll we'll go from there. Um. Anyway, another thing that was referenced. Uh, so that was the end of the fans forum stuff. But there was an article in the Oxford Mail about Oxford's display against City, and obviously we're going to talk about that game in a second. Um, so could serve as a powerful recruitment tool for the January transfer window, and that's looking ever more important. Um, KR was saying that he's clear on what the side needs, um, although the plans had changed, obviously, because of Ben Woodburn's injury. Um, he said, KR said that last night, and this was um, the night after uh, the City game, he had a text from one player in particular who were in, in competition with six clubs for and that that player said, call me, please. I loved watching that game. And again, we'll, we'll, I don't want to start talking about the City game, but I think we can all understand why um, players are going to be looking at it and thinking, Jesus, I want to be going and playing for Oxford. Um, so another midfielder was going to be brought, is going to be brought in because of the Woodburn situation. Chaos said that. He'll also be bringing in two wingers, a right back and a left back as cover. Um, we've spoken to a Premier League team about a loan deal and someone that we're really excited about. So that would be good. And we believe a player, I'm guessing it's the lone player that they're referring to here, um, has turned down three top championship teams to to be heading to us. So, um, and wow. the, the you know we're going to provide that player with the development path that he wants to wants to go down. But um, there are also going to be players going out on loan. Ben, who would you say they may be? I think it's a, it's changed probably now. Woodburn's out, but I suspect Hall, one of Hall or. Uh, Ford potentially maybe going out on loan. Um, I'd like to think it's not Sykes because I think he's he's someone that we could do with around. But I guess if if we've got Gorin Baptiste, 
and Brannigan back, he may struggle to get game time. So it oh. may be Sykes. I think Ford Ford is crooked, isn't he? He's had a really serious injury, but other otherwise, yeah. Connor, what do you oh, reckon? Yeah, I think I think it'll be Sykes, and if it's not Sykes, um, depend on who we bring in. Dan Adji. Did you not watch the the Man City games? No, I did. Oh. You were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed Sykes. <laughs> I enjoyed Sykes and Dan Adji as well. I'll touch upon them a bit later, but I I yeah. just think given what KR said about the players we're bringing in and the positions that he wants to bring in, Sykes, he would be one of the one of the players to, to make way for that, I think. You know, if we're bringing in wingers and he's playing out yeah. wide recently, if he's already planning on bringing in a couple of wingers or, or like you said here, two wingers, then, then, you know, who's he making way for? And Sykes, to me, screams the player who would probably drop out. It's either him or, or Hawley. But then because of Hall's contract, I wonder how that would work with um, a loan deal. That's yeah. the only, my only thoughts. Um, I, you know, I like I like Sykes. I've said it many a time. So I'm not advocating for him to leave, but I just think it perhaps could be him that's the one who might be going. I'm convinced it'll be I'm convinced it'll be Hall and Adji. And I was depending on the other deals and the other players we bring in, I, I did think Sam Long may make way, but I think with Cadden going, Long will probably be No, Long around. I think Long he will stay. It's particularly after, I thought his performance was great against City, as we'll touch upon that in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think Long deserves to stay and fight for a place when Cadden leaves. Yeah. It is a shame he's leaving, isn't it? I'm very sad about that. I'm so um, upset. <laughs> I generally, it, after sat, after yesterday's performance, I'm just yeah, so sad he's going. Absolutely. Um, another thing that was mentioned as well is I wonder, you know, Pep Guardiola's just watched that performance from us and maybe there's another Isaac Buckley Ricketts in the City Academy that he wants to throw our way <laughs> or something not. like that. <laughs> yeah, someone better than that. I was yeah. going to say, I bloody hope he's he better than him. He made it into anyway. our worst eleven. <laughs> we don't want another one of them. <laughs> right, let's start talking about the City game. Oh, that whiskey is really not good. I'm going to try and have a sip of whiskey on every interlude and go from there. So maybe we'll I'll get sloppier and sloppier as this uh, pod continues. This pod is going to um, go on f- for eternity as well. <laughs> so I do apologise. But it's Christmas. Everyone's got time off at this time of year. Well, I hope everyone has. I don't. Not everyone yeah. has, but most people have. So if you've got the time to listen to it, sit down, get yeah. a whiskey. Put, put this. Turn the carols off and put this in the background as you're opening your presents on Christmas morning. Exactly. There you go. Right, uh, Man City. So they they brought a, a good eleven, a decent eleven. So Bravo, Cancelo, Garcia, Harewood, uh, Bellis. That was their 17-year-old centre-back, I'm guessing. Angelino, who's played before for them. Rodrigo, solid player. Zinchenko, Foden, Bernardo Silva, Mares, and Sterling. So we looked at that, especially that Foden and that front line of Silva, Mares, Sterling. We were all kind of like, God. They had Gundogan, Jesus, Mendy, Otamendi, um, and whoever else on the bench, but God. We made four changes to our team. So we brought in Long, um, Elliot Moore, Baptiste, and Dan Adji. The, I think the most shocking thing in that was Dan Adji getting that start, wouldn't you say, Connor? Yeah, I was surprised, but I also kind of saw the rationale for why why he was playing there, um, particularly with uh, his direct style of play, as in what he's like on the turn when he picks the ball up and he can drive at the heart of, of defences, what he did against Southend. And he did it quite a few times at City, and that's kind of what, uh, against City rather, um, and that's what kind of impressed me. 
uh, with his performance. So I was actually relatively happy to see him. Clearly, he's he's his defensive work needs a bit of bit of practice, but I thought he had a decent game given given the circumstances and how much of a big you know big game it was for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was the build up to the game like, Connor, around the stadium? It was really good. Um, I was. So I was, I was with my with my dad. Uh, we headed to the ground uh, about an hour before kickoff, and it was uh, it was brimming. Yeah, there was obviously a, a, a big crowd, well, sellout crowd. And when we got into the stadium, it was it was just a big buzz around the place. It was just one of those it, again. It was just one of those cup ties, right? But a special one. It was the same. I remember when we beat um, Swansea. Obviously, I know Swansea are not the same size as Manchester City, but it's kind of that just just that buzz yeah. around playing a, a big team, and especially it being a night game as well. It was it was really interesting under the floodlights. It was it was great, and the atmosphere throughout the game was also good. You know, if you listen back, or those who watched on TV or, or listen back to on TV, the Oxford fans were were brilliant, and we yeah. we outshone the City fans without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I was extremely disappointed with City fans; they were pathetic, and. And I'm glad that we had that you know we had so many more. Obviously, they didn't have a huge ticket allocation, which was good. I'm glad that we were, you know, we were able to fill our allocation out, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a really it was a really good night. The only thing was, if there's any city fans that somehow know that this is a th- thing and they listen, then uh, which I very much doubt. Regardless, I, I think for them it's a different type of game, isn't it? So you understand why they're not kind of as up for it as we are. Could, yeah, yeah, of course, that. yeah. But uh, but if, if you go and support your team away from home, you normally open your mouth at least once, and they barely did anything. So I was yeah. a bit disappointed with them. I, but what would I you wasn't... expect from Man City fans? You know, Plastic City oh, FC. Oh, oh, Gallagher. I'm digging. Not, I'm digging. Not, sorry. No Gallagher oh. was there, mate. He's going to come hunting you, Connor. That, that's he's on, fine. He's on for you. Good old no. Do you like Oasis? Yeah, I prefer Liam though. So, oh, he's a right. He's a complete novice. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. I only said that. I only said that just in case he's listening. You know, just in case. Anyway, uh, yeah, the display and the flags before the game looked absolutely incredible. When I first saw it, and I saw the OUFC on the East Stand, or what we're yeah. now calling the Jim Smith Stand, I, I I thought that was a permanent fixture for a minute. I was like, oh, fantastic! I was really chuffed, and then realised it was just the, the flags have been laid out really, really well. But I was a bit sad about that. Um, minutes applause for in tribute to Jim Smith and Ron Saunders before the game. That was great, um, and a great rendition of Yellow Submarine just following kickoff. And you could hear that, that was... loud and proud on the TV. Tingles yeah. down the spine. Yeah, I was. I was part of that. I was right in the middle of it because I was at the, at the top of the Jim Smith sound. That was brilliant. I've, yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty special moment. To be fair, like I, I did have. Tingles down my spine, and my dad said the same thing to me. Literally, as he was singing it, so that was that yeah. was brilliant. Oh. And I'm glad yeah, that came, great. and I'm really glad that came across as well on the TV. Yeah, it was great. Um, so the game kicks off first half. So strong possession for City, and you know, class was telling early on in the game. They were camping our camping in our half at times, and then on 20 minutes, they they took the lead, and we were pressing them really, really well, and we did have some moments in that opening opening phase but we're undone by a high quality break ultimately ruffles kind of pushed up and left um the left side completely open and uh i think you know we were told to press but one thing that i noticed and it was in the telegraph article um uh that kr you know the one i referenced earlier with that was kind of pre the city game and kr said in that like what city do really well is they take you out 
to come in and go through. Do not, and he said, do not be attracted to the ball. And that was a, I don't want to dwell on it because I think Ruff's had a really good game. But that was, you know, he left Cancelo with acres of space down the right. And ultimately, his shot was a bit lucky. I know you're behind the goal, Connor, but could you see yeah. that deflection? Yeah, there was definitely a nick. There was definitely a nick that took it took it away from, well, took it up, I guess, up and over. But it was, yeah, yeah it was uh, a fantastic, fantastic move from City. You could see it happening all day long with the, the space that Cancelo found himself in. Um, and obviously, unfortunately, it was a bit lucky with the deflection. I think Archer might have saved it if it wasn't for that. But it was kind of against the run of play slightly. I thought we were playing really well. Um, I don't think they actually deserved to take the lead based off the chances they created prior to that because they hadn't really taken any. But you're playing against Manchester City. You know, they can score from anything. And it was just one of their classic like kind of classic goals that they would score with the the way they kept possession and moved the ball forward, and uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a good goal. But like I say, it was I was slightly disappointed to see us go one 0 down. To be fair, because I thought we'd had a really good first yeah. uh, opening, you know, twenty minutes, half hour. Ben, where were you watching? Or were you in Were you in Leeds? Yeah, I was in the Brotherhood in Leeds with John watching the game. And what did you? For me, I felt the first fifteen minutes was where City dominated us the most, and then after that, I felt we were just we never got deflated and were in the game. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's the inevitable start, as you said. You'd expect them to to be quite relaxed with the ball, have plenty of possession, and I think we did quite well. It was it was really the goal that I think sort of caused us to to push on and take a bit more part in the game. Uh, it's part of Ruffles pushing up. I mean, he's not a natural left back. Uh, he's done really well in that position, don't get me wrong, but I think a player of Mahrez's quality, it's always going to undo him and, and show that he isn't a natural left-back. But yeah. given uh, given that after that, he, I thought he, he did okay, Ruffles, in the end. There wasn't any big gaping holes after that. No, I think he, he's become a natural left-back, especially in the last six months. But yeah, I know what you mean. We ended up winning the first corner and were threatening to kind of counter on multiple occasions, lacking slightly with decision-making and the final ball, and that was kind of telling. Um, and then there was a moment where Dan Aji picked the ball up in midfield and it was on the back of a really, really good move. And this was well documented on Twitter, actually, like the actual play out from the back where we just played it in and around City and made them look completely average with our kind of passing and moving off the ball. And it culminated in Aji kind of getting the ball, spinning his man really, really well and showing that kind of turn of pace. Uh, he lost the ball, but the ref ended up spying a foul and we had a, a free kick. But Aji, uh, I thought he looked really decent on the ball and I made a comment and I don't know if you saw it later on in the evening, Connor, and Andy or Andrew, the Berlin yellow chap, said back, he was at the game as well, but he said he's he looked a bit off it, off the ball. So he didn't look like he was putting in the effort off the ball, but on the ball, he seemed to have a good game. Yeah, uh, it's like I said earlier, I don't I don't actually think Aji's fit enough. Um, I think the work rate involved with contributing to both sides of the game is probably a little bit above him at the moment but I thought he was he was really good on the ball yeah I mean he, he's a powerful runner and um, he certainly showed that quite a few times in, in, against City um, but obviously going back he's uh, slightly lacking that and perhaps it's not just his fitness it might be his his knowledge of, of where he fits in in that system playing on the right hand side so I don't want to be too yeah. critical of him because there's clearly more to it than just being able to run um, so I think you know, going forward, if he stays with us, then you know maybe he'll he'll become better at that side of his game. Yeah, uh, we had a couple of free kicks from Brannigan, 
um, after that and a few more lofted corners as well. Um, one of those free kicks went straight out, which was pretty frustrating because you could see they were on the ropes a bit every time yeah. we had a set piece. Um, the other one, Dicky, Dicky was offside where he kind of cut the ball back across the box. That was that was unlucky there. Um, lofted corners as well. I do think they, they seem yeah. to be working. They seem to be more effective. And at the at time, I, I always want a drilled corner, but because we've got those big players, notably Dickie and Moore, they've got time with a lofted ball to go and get underneath it. But I don't want to dwell too much on it, but it seemed to be effective. I mean, I was having this conversation at the weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I'm not convinced our, our corner um, strategy is working at all, to be honest with you, because we don't we don't seem to do enough from them. We don't seem to create enough goal-scoring opportunities from corners. Um, and obviously, I, I know that's in relation to who we're playing against as well, but I'm I'm not convinced with the corner technique, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence perhaps you, against you. Do you know uh, what do you know why I'm saying this now though? And I'm making more of a point is because again we're jumping onto the Wickham game. We had two corners in a row where Moose um yeah, had had the yeah. keeper like pick one out of the top corner and then yeah. literally the next yeah. corner from the Dicky got his Dickie head to did it. it. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was funny because me and my dad literally were talking about how the corners weren't effective before those two corners <laughs> happened. And then yeah. when that, yeah, when the lad from the Wickham keeper pulled off that absolute worldie of a save, we were like, "Oh, okay, well, maybe it is working." <laughs> and then the second one happened, and then it did it again, and we yeah. were like, "Okay, stand corrected." But you know, like I say, two two chances created out of X amount of corners over quite a few games, and we had this discussion earlier on in the season with the amount of corners we've had before we scored a goal. So I'm not convinced that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Point. I'm not going to argue with you too much. I was obsessive about how shit we were from corners about three <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. So. I was going to say you're you're, no. you're the man obsessed with it. <laughs> um, anyway, before the the end of the half, we were kind of winning the ball, countering well. Often we'd find ourselves kind of four v four against their defence, and we're breaking in numbers. Um, one one example being where Taylor was kind of bringing the ball out. Um, trying his luck from 30 yards. Another one where Aji kind of played in Fosu rather than Taylor and Taylor was in absolutely acres of space. And we just were kind of, again, making those wrong decisions. But it was really promising that we were managing to get to a place and playing through playing through the lines to kind of build out those counters. It wasn't like the Wiccan game where we were switching play and a bit more direct, you could say at times, at least with the kind of longer passing. But with City, we were literally just playing through him and then breaking on them but I guess as a summary of the first half Connor you know it was fantastic I was I was delighted yeah. that they didn't score because they would not have deserved to go in 2-0 up and we, we exactly. had a great half I thought we had a great half as well and also a few people behind me were talk every time we got the ball from a goal kick or every time Archer got the ball they were going just get rid of it or they were shouting about don't play it out from the back just you know just kick it forward and I was so pleased to see us have you know the bravery to play out from the back against a side who are, you know, renowned for how they press the football. Uh, I thought it was brilliant to watch us keep the ball on the deck, try and play through them like we do with other sides at other levels of football and stick into our philosophy of, of playing the ball on the ground. And, and it was a joy yeah. to watch at times when we did actually break their press. And I was really impressed of Oxford. And I, regardless of the result at the end of the game, I, I thought we, you know, it was, it was just a brilliant game of football to watch, and I was so pleased yeah. to watch see that that was my football team playing in that fashion. It was great. Yeah, Ben, do you second all of that? Yeah, I do. It was uh, 
I was had a smile on my face uh, pretty much through the second half and the, at the end of the game. My missus watched it with me and she said, I'm assuming it's not always, we don't always play this well. And I said, yes, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to the second half then. So Aji ended up getting fouled. Oh God, I forgot how quickly we scored. I was just looking at my notes. And yeah, like, oh yeah, this say. is actually the goal. This is actually the goal. Um, so yeah, instant kind of kickoff. Aji gets fouled on the right-hand side. Baptiste... Uh, quickly takes a free kick, goes through to Taylor. His first touch is sublime to just cut yeah. inside the defender. He didn't just cut he... inside him though, did he? He makes him as well. He makes him as him. well. So, <laughs> so that seventeen-year-old lad who, you know, he played well, and you know, he, I know Sterling passed his man of the match award over to him and whatever, but he got megged for that goal, and that was filthy from Taylor because it, <laughs> it was just I just I was like, oh no, that poor kid. I was like, he's gonna have nightmares he, about that. He, he also just smashed. The the finish is just fucking brilliant. So excuse my language, everyone. Yeah. <gasps> James, <laughs> but, normally it's but me. It is, I I just honestly didn't. I, it was fantastic. He just drilled it in keeper. You could just see he was just on it on his ass before it yeah. went in the net. Like he yeah. didn't know what to do. The roof just absolutely came off. And I think the Oxford Mail reporter at the time, because I was following Twitter, was just saying he hasn't heard a sound like that for a long time. What was that moment like in the stadium? <laughs> I went absolutely ballistic, to be honest. And the lad who was next to me, I didn't have a clue who he was. We just jumped on top of each other. Like it was, it was great. Um, so I, I scuffed my shins quite a little bit. On front, on the front of the seats in front of me, because it was just one of those goals that you just got to go nuts for. Um, not just because of obviously the the occasion, but also just like you say that the way the ball hit the back of the net and sort of the, the conviction that was behind it, it was it was great. And Matty Taylor will always remember that goal, regardless of the result. And it was a great, great individual piece of uh, skill to knock it around the defender, come inside and uh, left footed strike that beat Claudio Bravo, yeah, was, who is, you know, is no no easy feat. Um but yeah, the, the celebrations were fantastic and obviously the the noise that was created after the goal as well was was brilliant. It proper lifted the roof. It was great. Yeah. I, I love a knee slide as well. Matty Taylor oh, yeah. kind of oh, yeah. knee slide. Yeah. And also like like Matty Taylor said, scoring at the you know, the Jim Smith stand or you know not not the fence end made such a difference as well. Because yeah you can see what it means to the players when they run over and, you know, jump in with the fans and whatever, all that sort of stuff. That's great. And obviously you don't get that at the fence end. So it was great, great, uh, great goal. And also great timing as well. Cause I thought it was a testament to, to perhaps what was building at the end of the first half. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of them where you, you start to get frustrated knowing that we deserve a goal and just thinking it's not going to come. And yeah. um, it was great. It was great that we got that. Uh, what Ben, what was the, did you get any weird looks in a scatty pub in Leeds when that goal went in? Uh, we got a few. We were, uh, there were two games on. There was our game and there was the Real Madrid-Barcelona El Clasico game. Uh, and two people next oh. to us were watching that on one screen. We were watching the other. Uh, so they were a bit bemused why me and John started jumping up and down like excited school children. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, great, great time to score. Um, but unfortunately, we were only level for, what, four minutes? And uh, a solid ball from Angelino from the left had gave kind of Sterling a simple tap in. And it was all... It was, it was a shame how that kind of came about. It just seemed something out of nothing. I was barely... I barely kind of got over the goal, as it were, um, when that went in. I don't know. No, but the good thing yeah, the good thing about it though is it didn't seem to deflate whilst I felt deflated for, you know, after that a little yeah. bit, you know, the players themselves from that point on 
were absolutely incredible. I know. That's and you one can say the same after their about. third. Yeah. Yeah, it was the, it was the fact we might have gone two one down, and then obviously we go on, we go three one down. But the players' heads did not drop, and they did not stop playing the football that they did previously on a previous in the game. And it was just, it was just a performance that you can be proud of being an Oxford fan. And I don't think anyone can honestly come away from. I'm kind of summarising already, but you honestly can't come away from that game being utterly, you know, deflated or pissed off. I mean, I certainly wasn't. I mean, if anything, I was slightly gutted that we didn't actually make it three all because of the chances we had. But it was still one of those games of football where you're just like, yeah, we, we've we've shown our class today, and and that yeah. continued after letting the two goals in in the second half. Absolutely, um, Sykes. Our first change came just before the 60th minute, so Sykes came on for Dan Aji, and we've talked about Aji having a <clears throat> a decent run out. Um, but yeah, I thought it was worth talking about this before I forget to reference it later on. But Ben, I felt Sykes had a really, really good game after coming on. Yeah, that's what you want from a sub. You want someone who makes a real impact. And, and I thought he was very positive on the ball. I think you know where he was playing as well on the wing, a bit, a bit inside on the wing. But still, I thought he, he yeah, he's good vision and uh, he certainly made a difference. He sort of, you could argue maybe he should have started. Yeah, Connor, I know you're still a fan. We need we need yeah. to get him that goal, yeah. don't we? Yeah, he. It's, he kind of played with a little bit of like um, naivety, as if he didn't know who he was playing against. Yeah, and he just yeah, and he yeah. just he just played football. Like he just he just got on with his job. He didn't he didn't he wasn't caught in the moment or anything. Um, and he had a really good game. Yeah, and obviously with his chance that he the uh, hit the target with with that volley, I was I was gutted that he didn't you know kind of go with his laces and just go for it instead of trying to place it. Um, but no, he had a good game, and I was I was pleased about that. And I think obviously it's it's kind of going back to what we said earlier about the the loan, um, you know, rumors or whatever. I, mean, I wouldn't say rumors. I mean, I've probably just made it up. But it's kind of that idea of when he comes on, if he's making an impact, then actually perhaps the bloke deserves a chance. Um, oh, I can't, so honestly, uh, I can't see him. I can't see him going. The, the, he has that versatility to be able to play play he within does. the yeah. middle the middle two or three or on the wing and I, I think we lack that elsewhere mm-hmm. I just can't see him I can't see him going out anywhere um anyway City we'll then made some subs yeah we'll have a bet but we'll again I, I think he's proved to KR that it was the wrong call he's not going to league two like do you know what I mean I can't I just can't see him going to a league two team now but anyway um City made some subs had a bit of banter by bringing Gundogan on and uh, Jesus. Um, that was always fun. You saw KR kind of laughing on the touchline, according to Jerome. Um, I made sure, by the way, to take the Sky Sports commentary off and put Jerome and Nick and just sync it. So I was watching the Sky Sports coverage and was listening to Jerome on the commentary, which was the the perfect blend, I'd say. Um on 61 minutes, uh, so great save. This was another thing, yeah. Fosu cutting in on the left-hand side. Great shot, and it kind of deflected and scooped over, and it looked like it was going to dip in, and then um, Bravo tipped it over for a corner. I get, I guess, what did that look like from behind? You think it was a goal? Um, wait, sorry, I completely lost it. Which one was that? The one where Fosu cut in into the penalty area, a couple of step overs, then got a shot away on his left foot, and then it kind of sk- it kind of hit the city defender and looked like it was going to scoop over Bravo and then he tipped it over. The oh, tipped over. Yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah. Sorry. I do remember. Yeah. It was, again, it's just one of those, those things with Fosu where he, he, he just sticks in a little shimmy and, and as a pop. And it was, it was, it was, it's one of those moments when you go, oh, 
go on. Yeah. And then it doesn't yeah. quite happen. Um, I mean, at the time of the game, it would have been a fantastic time to, yeah. to, to, to nick it, one. But It was good to see Fosu playing and attacking a player. That's the one thing. That, and you could argue when we get onto the Wickham game, that was something that wasn't completely missing, but it's something he's been missing definitely from the MK performance the week before. But yeah, he seemed to have a solid game. Um, then Sam Long, literally a couple of minutes later, went so close to getting on the end of a Brannigan he did, um, yeah. Kind oh, of that. in swinging ball, yeah. Yeah, that was a proper sort of heart and mouth moment. That one, yeah. He yeah. was he was unlucky, to be fair. And then it's definitely fair to say against the run of play, um, City creates some breathing space between them and us, where Jesus kind of sprung the offside trap and squared it to Sterling, and it was a it looked quite fairly similar to that that first goal, but really frustrating watching it because yeah, I just at that point I was like, they do not deserve that in any way. And Ben, they didn't deserve to be too ahead, did they, at that point? No, I think sort of as, as it was at 2-1 was probably about right for that time of game. But I think going back to when you're saying we, we weren't ever deflated and obviously the last 20 minutes showed we weren't, I think at the end of the day, sometimes you've just got to say fair play. You know, City are a quality side. Even the, the change team they played, they're going to do that against much better teams than us. And they have done. Yeah. So I think sometimes you've just got to say, well, you know, Fair, you know, fair enough. But we kept we kept going after that, and I think that's the only thing we sh- we could have done. Yeah, Mares. I haven't mentioned Mares once, but he he is an incredible footballer. <laughs> like um, the how he goes past people with such ease, and you just never know. You just never know what he's what he's going to do. I guess Connor it must have been great being able to watch a player like that. Yeah, but I think the only thing with Mares is is he loves his left foot so much that sometimes he's relatively predictable to defend against. Um, he comes on. He comes onto his left foot so often that I thought we actually dealt with him relatively well. For you know, I'm not saying I could defend against him, but I think I think we actually did. We did quite well. Um, I would say one of the things I was very surprised with, which I saw um, on the Manchester City Twitter page afterwards, that um, they gave their man of the match to um, Phil Foden, and I thought that Phil Foden was relatively quiet in the game. I thought Sterling got it and then he, he got, gave it to the young centre-back. He, he got it in the Sky Sports, but All right. Manchester City, their Twitter page said that it was Foden. And I thought Foden was very, very quiet. And I think actually Goran had a fantastic game. Um, I think he needs he needs credit for what he did on Wednesday night. I thought the interceptions that he... And the way he stopped them playing through us was fantastic. And I think Brannigan also, because between them, I saw a stat that they both got, I think they got 20 interceptions, which was this phenomenal, this great work rate. And I think Gorin was, you know, he, he certainly matched up against some of the better players in, in the city side and midfield, even when Gundogan came on. I mean, he kept, I mean, Rodri had a pretty good game, I think, until, until he got subbed off. Um, the way he kept Man City ticking. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, obviously on 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 Mara's, yeah, okay, Mara's is a fantastic player, and it's great to watch those sort of players play on the Kassam pitch. Same with uh, with Sterling, but I think I think in all, Oxford did very very well against the players we played against. I definitely felt yeah. The point was of all of their players, he was the one that did manage to get that many shots off after getting round people or getting crosses away. But we just it was fine. It didn't lead to anything, but. Regardless, anyway, Taylor went off um, on 75 minutes, got a standing ovation from the crowd, richly deserved. And then what ensued over the next kind of five, there was a five minute period from 80 minutes that was incredible. And we put a tweet on our account 
um, of these kind of chances. And it was just a little reel or a montage that Sky Sports put together ultimately. But um, yeah, 80th minute, uh, Fosu had a shot blocked and then Mackie's effort kind of deflected wide for a corner. From that corner, 81 minutes, um, we <laughs> bit of a scuffle in the box and then uh, Mackie got involved in it and... What the f- I don't know what was going on there. Oh, I know what it was. Oh, it was that. We, knew, we know what where... it was. It was, it was Cancelo. Cancelo. Wasn't it? <laughs> oh my! I tell you what. I saw a tweet from an Oxford fan, and he said, "If this is what the average Premier League footballer does, then I don't want to get promotion." And I generally agreed yeah. with him. I saw it, and I was like, "This is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic." I mean, the fact that he Cancelo actively stuck his leg out to basically kick against Mackie and then to roll over and, and play at like that was absolutely pathetic. And to be fair, he chose the wrong player to do it against because Mackie was not happy. And I, <laughs> and I love, and I love that. And people say that he's a shit house, but it'd be funny if someone did that against me, I'd probably react the same way as Mackie did. It's pathetic. Yeah. He was lucky. Mackie didn't get the finger out as they say. <laughs> um, anyway, 82nd minute. So that was that was 81st minute. 82nd minute, Dickie um, should have absolutely scored from a corner. He got there um, right in the centre of the box, headed it down as they're always told to do, but he didn't make the cleanest of connections and hit, headed it ultimately straight at Bravo, but that needed to be a goal. Eight, 84 minutes, Mackie on the turn, 10 yards out, um, just kind of volleyed it over. 85 minutes, and this was the one for me, where Brannigan played an absolutely pinpoint perfect oh. kind of cross. Um, but it was not necessarily a cross, but it was from like the middle of the city half on one of the sides, drilled it in with his left, his kind of right foot, sorry, and it curled over. Great ball for Sykes to kind of hit it on the volley, but again, straight at Bravo. And KR was, <clears throat> you could tell after the game, just really frustrated because whilst it was a straight, you know, he was absolutely delighted with the performance, but he knew that we really, really had to take some of those chances. And I think he was honest with um, feedback to the players after that, but the players would have known, wouldn't they? Yeah, they, they, a couple of them probably would have been kicking themselves because end of the day, regardless who they're playing against, they lost the game of football and no football player wants to lose a game. So I can imagine that they some of them come off and they probably were slightly disappointed regardless of the reaction from the fans or from the manager. Um and that's just the nature of, of being a professional player, I imagine. You know, no one wants to lose, do they? Um, but they certainly yeah. they certainly put up a good fight in, in more ways than one. I thought Oxford were, yeah. were fantastic. Absolutely. Um, ben, what were your main takeaways from the game in summary? Uh, I think it was just how positive we were um, and how, f- how fluid and confident we looked on the ball. We certainly, in that last 20-minute period, we didn't look like a team that was two tiers below them. Um, playing the previous champions of England, I thought we did ourselves uh, extremely proud. Um, and that that last five minute of chances you said about you could you could watch that video, you know, on repeat and still think, wow, actually we're we're a really good side when it comes down to it. Uh, especially given it was a polar opposite of the the MK Dons performance. Yeah, I don't think many teams are going to. I know that City's lineup was a bit shaken up, but I don't think many teams are going to be doing that uh, for, to City. No, I. I I don't the whole the whole lineup thing. I mean, it'd be funny. Look at the players they do they did have on the pitch. I mean, they didn't they didn't shake it up that much. I mean, you know, seven seven of those or eight of those would actually start in a Premier League game quite happily. So, I, I think I think given the the opposition, we we outdone ourselves. We we're, we're brilliant. 
So KR, KR mentioned something in the fans forum and said we were going to try something against City that we're, we're hoping to take into the rest of the season. And my assumption after watching that game was the high press and the flatter kind of midfield um, and kind of doubling up on their back four when we're actually pressing. But I don't know, I don't know what it was, but Connor, do you have any thoughts on what, what that thing could have been? to be honest no but I, I imagine <laughs> I imagine it was I was too busy being sort of infatuated by the game instead of actually looking at what we were doing I was kind of like caught in the atmosphere in the atmosphere a bit during the game so I didn't really look at sort of the shape or anything we had and I haven't watched it back since uh yeah. obviously some of the, some of the highlights but um I'd imagine like you say it's probably something to do with a, a, a some form of pressing technique I imagine it's probably something to do with that um, but sure. Well, hopefully, if it if it worked and he wants to stick with it, then we'll find out what that is. In you know, going forward. Yeah. So let's wrap through the reaction. So one thing to mention before going on to KR and Guardiola's comments is that we had eighteen shots against City, and it was well documented that that's the most shots City have faced in a single match under Guardiola. Um, since facing Chelsea in February 2016 in an FA Cup tie. Which is which is fantastic, and I was, I was again great publicity for the club that people are seeing that over social media and such. Uh, Guardiola said uh, that he didn't feel like nervous was fair when the um, the guy asking the question kind of put that to him. He said we weren't nervous, but they Oxford pushed us a lot. They played so well, created a load of chances. I congratulate them. Last season they played good. This season they were better. Um, Kr then was saying he didn't want to roll over and not lay a glove on them. Thought we were aggressive in the right way. We never overstepped the mark. Great night for the fans to be associated with the club. Didn't expect to be frustrated or disappointed. We didn't come away with more than all of our chances, as I, as I was kind of referencing earlier, especially in the last 10 minutes, was just straight at the keeper, and he didn't have to make a good save. Um, I'd, I'd argue the Sykes one was a decent save. I think Map made that point as a pundit on Sky Sports afterwards as well. Um, he then said to the the Telegraph afterwards, I think that not many not many times a team can say they outplayed City. Uh, people of Oxford will be proud going to work or school and saying I support Oxford United. Robinson admitting to the Telegraph um, that he was fuming about the missed opportunity in terms of not taking our chances, and he he told the players and used the Guardiola comments as motivation in that Guardiola was shocked by your style, bravery, ability to pass, how you never crumbled under pressure, all that good stuff, and you. Yeah, you know they would have had a chat with each other afterwards and you, you'd have think Guardiola... You know, that loan comment earlier is generally serious. He, if he's watched the way we played, you can imagine someone like City, you know, a team like City wanting players to come to us to play football in the right way. Um, Matty Taylor, Definitely. final bit of reaction was um, saying it's a moment he'll never forget. I think Connie said that earlier on. Said it was nice to score at that end rather than the fence end, as you said as well. But yeah, great for that local local lad to get that to get that moment. Um, God, lads, we're on 55 minutes. <laughs> we're probably <laughs> halfway through the pod. <laughs> we should, we should have like a, 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 a two two versions, part one and part two. <laughs> Let's chat about Wickham. Right, another me- another game. I guess like it's when it's like a JPT thing and then a league game, it's easier to do, isn't it? But we have to. We had to talk properly about that city game after yeah. that performance. It wasn't it? Wouldn't have been reasonable to just like dash over it. So yeah, we had to give it its uh, its due course because of how good it was. Yeah, 
Um, so Wickham arrived at the Kassam on a great unbeaten run, well documented, seven points clear at the top, only lost one game all season in 20 games. Very impressive defensive record, not conceding in League One since October 22nd, which is six games ago. Uh, conceded the fewest goals in the league, 14, unlike Southend, who have conceded a hilarious 59 <laughs> going into the weekend. 59 goals. Yeah. Good luck, oh. Sol. It's not even fucking Christmas, Sol. What are you doing? You swear anyway. it again. God Sorry. This, look, this is what... Look, this is what happens when you have a whiskey. He has two yeah. sips of whiskey and he's now becoming a swear monster. <laughs> anyway, they hadn't conceded a goal in the league for nearly 600 minutes before the game. Um, but what was interesting, you can see they build their team out from the back or they, you know, they build, they, their success is built out from the back is that they've scored the same amount of goals as Accrington, um, which is 30 goals. And Accrington is 17th in the table. So it just, yeah, adds emphasis to the, how important their defence actually is. Um so four changes from Wednesday, so from the City game for us. So Massinho came in for more, Cadden in for Long, Henry in for Aji, and uh, Mackie in for Taylor. Um, KR mentioned tweak, he was kind of tweaking the midfield a bit to a flat three. So Baptiste, Goran, Brannigan in there. Um, rather than having one sitting, which would be Goran and two more advanced. Um, and he said this, he did mention he tried it out against City. So maybe it was the thing he was referring to about trying something different. But he said by flattening it off, it creates more space for the wingers to come in. Um, and on the press, you're asking less work from your wingers tracking back. But I guess, Ben, looking at that lineup, anything you would have been tweaking? Uh, I wouldn't. I'd have, I think that was the perfect lineup to follow up the City game, to be honest. I think uh, it's good to see Henry come back in. Uh, I think it was right to to rest him on Wednesday. You obviously don't want to bring him back too quickly. Um, Messina and Cadden come, coming back in, I think, just to keep the same sort of league back four. And and Mackie swapping for Taylor, I think that was a... I can't remember where I read it, but it was written somewhere that was always the plan for the week, um, is that Taylor would give everything in the, the City game and then Mackie can give, give everything in the Wickham game, which I think is, is the right way of doing it, actually. Mackie's definitely the right striker for this sort of game. Um, you know, Mr. Shithouse himself. I think it was uh, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, first half kicked off. So instantly you could see the kind of vision of, well, amazing vision from all of our midfield. Accuracy of passing was just on point, um, especially when we were switching the play. And Baptiste and Gorin, I was noting, were just consistently doing it as well. And also finding their man. It was like direct football, but completely accurate and purposeful which I thought was incredible um Connor did that stand out yeah yeah I also thought the players who received the ball from those sort of diags particularly Fosu their first his first touch was brilliant yeah in first half like you know we can talk about how good the vision is for the pass in the execution but if the player on the other end of it can't bring it down then there's (laughs) there's questions got to be asked there and I thought Fosu did really well I, I noted exactly what you just pointed out while I was sat watching it and I thought there was some some really great uh, sort of exhibitions of of the the quality that we have in midfield, and that's why it was a joy to watch those three play in midfield together. And it was interesting because I saw a tweet from an Oxford fan before the game, and he quoted the team and he said, "Let's just enjoy this m- midfield while it's still there." Yeah, um, I imagine he was probably referencing the, the January transfer window and perhaps Cameron Brannigan leaving. Um, uh, and also, I know there's some rumours about Baptiste, but I'm not convinced on those. Nah. Um, I'm not convinced on those at all. But I just thought that was really interesting because actually the midfield really, sh- they, they showed their quality. 
Yeah. So we were really mixing it up in terms of approach, low, quick passes, lots of movement off the ball to make sure there was space freed up for others. Um, as I said, the accuracy of those passes was great. We just didn't look like a League One type league one team Fosu and I kind of mentioned it earlier on against how he performed against City he was having a much better game than he did at Milton Keynes that kind of carried on he he was regularly like you said his touch was absolutely there um, and then he was just constantly doing these fake shots that were just making Wickham players either kind of fall over or just yeah. get a, a bit lost in what they were doing and it really for me it was <laughs> that was a, a massive highlight of that first half and it kind of carried slightly into the second but especially in the first that was a, a big thing yeah, Fosu uh, had the uh, the right back on on edge, the uh, the big tall big tall lad. Who's I'm yeah. sure, yeah, I'm sure he was, yeah he was playing right back. Yeah, he he had like a kind of afroy hairstyle. He was yeah he was struggling. <laughs> he was struggling against Fosu with his quick feet. Wickham have um, Wickham's whole defence because they have Jacobson at left back. They're all massive. Yeah. They have like four centre backs playing across yeah, the back do. line. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, they're a great defence. They're a very good team defensively, as we found out. Yeah. You know, we did. We yeah. them down there was once. only there was only one team playing football in that first half, and yeah. we absolutely d- deserved the goal when we got it just after twenty minutes. And um, again, I, I didn't know. I watched the game, but I didn't realize the kind of build-up play to the goal until about an hour before we recorded the pod. But it, again, it's just consistent in terms of how we've been playing of late, um, especially when we're we're kind of on it. But um, we, James Henry kind of fires it in at the second attempt after um, Brannigan's shot was parried, and it all, but it all yeah came from a ridiculously good crossfield pass from Baptiste, and again it's we talked about it now twice, but finds Fosu, um, you know, loads of kind of intricate interplay, Gorin dropping in, Dicky moving forward, eventually finds itself to, the ball finds itself to Baptiste around the the center of the pitch, he pings it out wide to Fosu, acres of space. Brings it to Brannigan. Brannigan cuts in. Great shot. Uh, but the whole the whole move was fantastic. Ben, did you enjoy catching up on that one? Yeah, I mean, if if that was Man City or Barcelona, people would be raving about it all over social media. Um, it was. Yeah. I noticed in that that first. I've only seen the first twenty five minutes back in full, but we play very high tempo uh, football, but with so much movement off the ball. And in the build up yeah. to that goal, what that mm-hmm. even though it's slightly contradictory, it actually means you can be more patient. Because if you're on the wing, there's three of you playing four or five balls in a triangle. You start dragging players towards you, and all you need is a yeah. cross ball via Dicky, who's who's you know, gone forward from centre back, and then it's on the other wing, and all of a sudden there's space. And it just the number of times we've switched across wings in the build-up to that goal, and then obviously Baptiste is the his fantastic ball is the main one. But I just thought it was perfect football from us, and you know if we play football like yeah. that, who knows where we'll go? I thought it was brilliant, and it was yeah. so it was so nice to see us retain the. The pressure, do you know what I mean? Like when when you're recycling the ball in that way, and you're, and, you're, and you're probing for an opening, sometimes you can lose possession from a loose pass or a, a poor touch, and it didn't seem to be going that way against Wickham. We everyone was on it. Everyone's first touch was there. It's very rare that we lose the possession um, without trying to make an actual probing pass. You know, when we kept the ball neatly around the edge of their box, it was brilliant. The movement was great. Um, again, it's just. It's a pleasure to watch Oxford United at the moment. Obviously, the last two games in particular, I know that perhaps the Shrewsbury game and the MK Dons were sort of the little blips in that. But it's a pleasure to watch the last two games, particularly from someone who's been to both the games and watched it live. I, I watched it with a smile on my face, which is yeah. all yeah. I want. Fantastic. 
Um, first goal Wickham have conceded in 602 minutes of League One football. So fair dues for us. Richly deserved. And then, uh, <laughs> then something else happened. Akin Fen was red card. Uh, so Moose doing it. This was just oh, talked about all over the place after the game. Um, but Moose with a bit of shithousery following a Gorin challenge. And may I add a very, good very challenge. fair, yeah. good challenge from Gorin. And I, I, the only bit I can understand in terms of um, someone getting a bit irritated by it or saying it is dirty or whatever, like maybe his trailing leg is, you know, you could argue it looks a little bit two-footed, but he doesn't leave the ground. His his right leg actually ends up... I think he wins the ball with his left leg and his right leg kind of comes back towards himself. It's it's an absolutely fair challenge and it, it infuriated me here in Ainsworth afterwards talking about it. But um, Akinfenwa goes to shove uh, Massinho, Um No, sorry, Moose ends up kind of shoving Akinfenwa, kind of who was already been booked and then Akinfenwa is kind of gesticulating all around the place. I think in um, the Ox Blogger article, he references that he looks like Mr. T getting all emotional. <laughs> I, I forget what it is. He did. He but, did um, look a bit shocked, didn't he? Bless him when he got when the red card came out. It was, uh, it was, it was, yeah. it was hilarious. Good. Bayo was doing this fancy little jig throughout it, anyway. But um, I think it was a straight red that was ultimately given. Um, Massinho booked possibly for descent. Uh, Gorin ending up being booked for the challenge, which was a farce in itself. And like I said, Ainsworth said after the game, there's a major incident um, in the first half. And I believe if you watch it again, the tackle on Scotty Cash, what's he called? Cash. Cash, Cash he, he looked pretty decent actually before that red card. Yeah, he um, looks right. Yeah, I thought that. He's very quick. Yeah, he looked rapid. Um, but he was saying that we goaded Bayo uh, to get him sent off. But, you know, it's just. I would, argue, I would argue that it's completely. The opposite, because that being funny, when Goran made that tackle, the way the Wickham player surrounded the referee was disgusting. Um, and I think, you know, Massinho put himself in a place where he's, def- you know, as as most players do nowadays, when you're defending your own your own teammates, getting involved in the in the conversation. And Bayo just, he obviously had a rush of blood and decided to put his hand very close to Moose's throat. Um, so. It, you know, he was already on a yellow yeah. card, so he's walking a very fine line when he does something like that. And yeah. clearly, yeah. you know, it's what you get. So I had no no sympathy for him when he walked off. No, Wickham fans were seemingly getting riled up, 1,800 or so of them. Um, there was another moment 10 minutes or so later where Cadden played a 1-2 on the right-hand side and then just got absolutely clattered Clattered. by by their left-back who wasn't staring and he wasn't even looking at the ball whatsoever. It was the most blatant yellow card I've ever seen and all I could hear was the Wickham fans giving the ref abuse and saying, you don't know what you're doing. Um, (coughs) It pissed me off, to be honest, watching that. You know, it's one of them where... uh, we're fickle football fans, I'm sure we've done it at times, but of course we. Have. I thought the ref had a really good performance. I don't know he what were, you thought, Connor. Yeah, I thought he did. I th- he controlled the game very well, um, uh, <laughs> and obviously it got heated at quite a few occasions. And I, yeah, I thought the referee had a really good game, and I would love to know what Carl Robinson thought of the referee because you know Carl's very critical of referees, um, and I personally thought he had a good game. Well, I listened to the Radio Oxford kind of extra time thing um, just this afternoon. Actually, I was just catching up on it because I had to shoot off straight after the game. But Jerome made that point multiple times to say it was great. You know, we had Trevor Kettle the week before and going from that (laughs) to 
the chat we had on Saturday was a massive, massive difference. It's like night and day, isn't it? Yeah. Cadden um, and Fosu um, basically spend the entire game, but especially in f- the first half as well, throwing dangerous crosses into the box. There was a great moment where we talked about Fosu's fake shots where he, he cut in and then cut back out. The defender kind of just ran off in a different direction. Um, <laughs> so he turned the defender inside out and then got a great kind of shot away that kind of really moved in the air, but the keeper managed to get a save there. Yeah, and good then, save. Look, a great save. And then yeah. from the corner, we're really good at corners. Uh, Moose <laughs> um, had a, had a fa- fantastic header um, that was another great save. I think it was literally from the corner that Fosu shot. Yeah, it was. Caused. It was, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a great save because I was almost... I was almost certain it was going in. It was one of those moments where you just see the connection. You're like, that's going to dip in because the defender who was on the line was kind of running back onto the line. I don't think he would have got there if it would have beaten the keeper. Um, yeah, it was a great attempt. And, but you know, credit where credit's due, it was a very, very good save. Yeah. Uh, we had 78% possession by the end of that first half. And Ben, sometimes in the past with Oxford, when teams have gone down to 10, um it kind of disrupts our flow and we don't deal, well, we haven't in the past dealt with it particularly well, but we were fantastic when it was 11 v 11 and the sending off didn't seem to disrupt the flow of the game as we know it can. Yeah, I mean, it's almost uh, every time we, our opponents went down to 10 men, you knew they were going to score. For whatever reason, we just either switched off or got cocky or, yeah, historically we've always struggled. Um, and I think, it, again, it's, it's testament to the way that we're approaching our game at the moment that, we didn't. We didn't, uh, you know, shut ourselves off and go defensive almost, or take our foot off the pedal. If anything, we we did the opposite, and uh, yeah, it's good to see that happen yeah. for once. And we we had seventy five percent. It's important to mention this. We had seventy five percent possession whilst it was eleven v eleven, and that's we're playing a team that's top of the league for Christ's sake. Like we absolutely smashed yeah. them. Connor, they offered nothing, did they? Their direct football was really not working for them. We were just mopping it up left, right, and center. Yeah, we were, and. I was having this discussion with uh, another fan who who I speak to at, at the Kassam and um he said that Wickham don't have don't have anything like they don't offer anything at all and that they're lucky to be where they are and I have to say I, I disagree with him um because I think Wickham have a system they stick to and the players that match that system very well and it is a direct style of football um and clearly it's been working very well for them against the sides they've played so far um but having said that, it seemed as though we'd suss them out pretty early on, and you know, before the red card, and we and we'd kept them, you know, comfortably at arm's length. Um, but particularly after Akinfemi got sent off, um, they they had no outlet at all. They they just the way they played foot. The only time they ever made any sort of advancement towards us was when we perhaps overcommitted slightly. Um, so yeah, yeah, we had a we had a very good very good game, and we and we certainly got our game plan and our preparations on point before the game sure so second half kicks off uh kr is shrewd by bringing gorin off for sykes at half time which was a fantastic decision be it that you know gorin was probably in that orange card territory in the referees eyes and probably the wickham fans eyes and whatever and the players and ainsworth would have been going after him so that was a sensible decision um baptiste we're just continuing to spread the play, manage the tempo of the game. What was great, um, I listened to a Radio Oxford interview before the Wiccan game kicked off and it was with Baptiste and he was saying that um, 
he was kind of honest about the fact that he's lifted his game in the past for those big occasions. Do you remember Sunderland away last season when he first came through and then the West Ham game? Like he really does lift his game for some of those um against some of those big teams. But it's his challenge is doing the same uh, Accrington. And this is these are his words. He needs to do it at Accrington Stanley on a Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. it's great to see him on mm-hmm. um a Saturday playing so well, I guess. Um Post kind of 60 minutes, not quite the same flow to the game our atta- and kind of our attacking play. So Wickham were just sitting two banks of four deep into their half and they showed, you know, their defensive kind of powers as such. Um, so when crosses were kind of flying in from both flanks and we did have absolutely loads of crosses, especially from Cadden's side, um, fair play to them because they defended kind of last man style. Um, we didn't create that many clear chances, did we, Connor, that second half? No, it became. I think. The, I think the phrase I said to my dad during the game was, "It's just become a bit flat." And that's kind of what happened. You know, the the fact that Wickham was sitting so deep, it kind of sort of what's the word like sapped sapped the uh, the pace out of the game a little bit, and it kind of dulled down. You know, we we retained possession. We were trying to probe. We were trying to find openings, but it was just becoming increasingly difficult for us to actually create any sort of real goal scoring opportunity um, which I think is bound to happen to be honest with you with the way that Wickham played and Wickham were clearly hoping that we would overcommit at some point go in for that second goal and they'd be able to get the counter attack um, thankfully it didn't work out that way yeah well they didn't really create anything and no, one thing that was mental that Jerome kept talking about on the radio was that their bloody keeper was time wasting throughout so he was moaning at a ball boy when the boy boy ball boy didn't return the ball quickly. And then he leisurely just strolled over, picked up, and then did these little shimmy as he went to kind of kick the ball out. Uh, it was it was crazy. It was it was as if they were time wasting, just waiting, you know, relying on that last five minutes to get a goal. But I don't know if it seemed odd in the stadium. It did seem weird. Yeah, yeah I think what was funny was one of the guys I spoke to before the game, he said, oh, that old sop lad, he takes the piss. Like, as in he takes, you know, really likes to time waste. And I thought to myself, right, okay, well, we'll see it depending on how the how the game goes. But literally from the first time he got the ball, he was just so lethargic and so slow. And even when they were losing and they were down to 10 men, he just didn't seem to care. Um, I think the funniest thing that happened during the game was when he did that, it was in the second half when he was, he was in the net at the, by the Jim Smith stand and he was doing his little shimmy before he kicked it. And the crowd are going, ooh, like obviously ready to do the, your shit, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he boots it out and it goes straight out of play. And it was just brilliant because all the fans behind the goal were just like, where dickhead. So I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not bet Ben, have you gone Dalek-y? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> oh. Aaron 14 in and he's a Dalek. I mean, we did well to get to an hour and 15 before you <laughs> just, get just, your Dalek voice on. It's just a James and Connor pod from now on. Yeah, it says his, uh, I think he's he's mixing up his mic. We'll carry on. Um, <laughs> we then, we ended up getting the ball in the back of the net again. Um, tap in for Matty Taylor from a really kind of great pinpoint cross from Cadden, but he was offside. I did freeze frame this and he is just off, but... It was it was close. It was closer than I thought it was actually watching it live. Um, another point to mention: we had twelve corners to their zero at the end of this game, and again, it shows the the level of dominance not not just in possession but in attacking play as well. Um, and for me, that kind of tension, that kind of traditional Oxford United, you're one nil up at home, shit yourself tension that that is just you know 
ingrained in all of us. Hmm. Um, I could, I was just so nervous going into that last 10, 15 minutes as we were giving away kind of throw-ins. They were yeah. pouring long throws in, free kicks around the box, players say. flying in everywhere. Like players were literally just dropping all over the place in the box as well. Our players, yeah. their players. I was convinced a pen or something was coming. They brought on their long throw specialist because uh, as he came on, they had a throw in. So he ran the entire length of the pitch to take the throw in. I said to my dad, I was like, oh, here we go. Is the, is the sort of route one from a throw in coming? It's going to be a corner every time they get a throw in. Um, thankfully, we dealt with it really well. Um, it's it's one of those where I agree with you, mate. It's it's like being an Oxford fan. We've seen it way too many times where you concede stupid goals at stupid times and it becomes a little bit squeaky bum time, as the saying yeah. goes. But thankfully, God. thankfully, nothing happened. We held out. Uh, Wickham, Wickham, basically for me, in in kind of summary, and then you can give your summary. They're like I, they have no kind of standout players from what I saw, and that was kind of I've read up on them before the game as well, and that's what it, it seemed like. They they're effectively organised, have really strong tactics. They they obviously know what they're doing. It's been yeah. effective for them in most games this season. But we are absolutely from the first minute a much, much better side than them. And I read an Ox blogger article. Well, his latest article is Match Rap or whatever it's called. Um, he kind of references how ourselves and Peterborough are the teams that are the best set up based on, you know, the season to date to have the full toolkit to gain promotion this year. And I'm I'm in that place now as well. I just, if we keep playing like this and we keep this squad together and maybe even have a couple of, additions I, obviously there's a big caveat there isn't there but yeah i think yeah, we've got a massive a massive shout uh, even the autos this season yeah i completely agree um i said it would be a close game i predicted it would be 1-1 in the last pod and it could have quite easily been 1-1 um as i knew that obviously wickham are a very good side defensively and i was so pleased to see us come away with three points yesterday uh, yeah. i thought i thought we did play extremely extremely well uh, and I, I agree with you I, I think in terms of that idea of a toolkit with you know the various things in, in the places they need to be to gain promotion i think perhaps we have got those and it was nice to see some of those that you know the parts to that toolkit on the, the programs like mic'd up etc where we kind of got a little bit of insight of what's going on behind the scenes and it seems very positive there as well as what's happening on the pitch it just seems to me as though we are going to have these blips we are going to have the mk don's performances that is going to happen at various points in the next five months but if we keep playing the way we do and we have a decent january and we don't lose more than perhaps two of our key players at the moment you know particularly i'm looking at players like brannigan uh rumors of taylor going back um I, I'm almost convinced players like Fosu and, and um, uh, Baptiste will stay. Um, I think Dickey is a potential one that might have attracted some some interest with the way he's playing at the moment. Um, I think if you know if we keep hold of the core squad that we have and have a few additions, like you say, James, I think we've got a very good shout, very good shout. But you yeah. just never know. It's, it's football at the end of the day. You just never know what's going to happen. But things are looking positive at the moment, and I'm very very pleased about that. Um, Jack was at the game. You didn't manage to catch him, did you? But he he sent us yeah. some notes from his, in terms of his reaction. He said, gritty professional performance with game management that we previously lacked. Moose got Akinfen were to react. We've seen other teams do it to us and have no problems using it to our advantage. The foul by Gorin wasn't a foul, and we talked about that. Wickham piled in trying to get him sent off in the first place. Karma, and that's kind of to your point as well, Connor. Um, yeah, definitely. Dickie just 
Dickie, absolute class, and we've got some stats to back that up in a second. Fosu, definitely better, but seems still seems a bit reluctant to hit the accelerate and take players on. That's a thing. I still think he's more of a glider than a sprinter, is, is how I see him these days. I always he's think a, that's that West Ham West yeah. Ham break. Thing is with, um, with Fosu is he's kind of an inverted winger. He likes to play out wide, but he loves to come inside. So I think the 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 kind of idea of taking players on and, and beating players and going into areas to cross the ball is associated with a traditional winger who wants to stay out wide and and you know run down the line and, and kind of get past the fullback. But the thing is with Fosu is he's he's so inverted, he wants to play inside so much that as he comes in, he starts to interact with other you know more players because there are more players on the inside of the pitch so his his running style and the way he takes players on is, is slightly different to how a, a winger might operate who just you know goes at their fullback so foster's got more than one thing in his locker but i i, I think foster had a good game and you know if if he would have yeah. netted one you would have been running and raving about how good he was so you know i i think foster's certainly got qualities um he mentioned jack mentioned matty taylor coming on and running the channels to help kill the game was an ex- excellent card to be able to play. And he said Wickham didn't, well, didn't attempt to play any football, even with 11 players. It was all about winning set pieces. You could see why they were so hard to beat as being very regimented yeah. though. So that was Jack's view. Um, KR said afterwards, when it was 11 and 11, we were brilliant by far the better team. When you play against a team who play that way, it's always going to be hard, but the respect we have for them is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I can <laughs> never say phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> they're top they're, they're top of the league for a reason I think we can all appreciate that um, but yeah we've, we saw the game out really well and actually whilst I was still absolutely crapping myself and there was one moment at the end where the ball did drop and they kind of had a, a, a spin and a shot and then uh, I think Archer caught it down to his left so I was yeah that was the one that was the heart and mouth moment <laughs> for me um, but that, actually it's worth saying this Archer was another one a guy that Paul guy who always calls into Radio Oxford said what about Archer is someone we want to look at, given that Eastie is probably looking at going to going somewhere else, at least in the summer. Like Archer's done well since he's been in the team. How how's he looked the last couple of games? Yeah, he's looked relatively comfortable. Um I was only saying to one of the lads I went to football with yesterday that um I think the decision to to bring a goalkeeper in like him, uh, instead of giving the responsibility to Stevens was a very, very smart move. Um yeah purely because of the opposition that we faced um he's he's got the experience of being in net against sides much bigger than Wickham um so you know he, he's very comfortable at this level and he's a great replacement for for Eastwood obviously being injured going forward though in terms of a, a contract or you know how how he might be involved in the squad when Eastwood comes back I'll be very surprised if we keep him on personally i think yeah. probably because of the wages he might be demanding and the fact he probably won't, won't want to sit as number two either no that's it and it sounds like he might have something lined up in scotland north of the border but we'll have to we'll have to see if that comes to fruition um ainsworth i, I looked at his um whatever whatever their yellow player thing is called wickham player let's call it um he credited a spirited second half performance and the guy, their interviewer, their equivalent of Chris Williams, let's call him chair boy or chair choir boy. If choir chair, boy, if you're no, John. Chair, chair, yeah, choir boy if you're John. <laughs> but he said um, he, he his opening question to Ainsworth was, could that second half, could, did it warrant that we deserved more from the game? And I was just thinking, 
excuse my French, but fuck off. Like <laughs> we had 80% of possession, 12 corners to zero, absolutely smashed them. Like I'm not having that whatsoever. Anyway, he kind of brushed that off to be fair to him, Mainsworth, and he is a sensible chap. But he said they defended superbly well, which they did. He said their fans were fantastic. Were their fans fantastic? <sighs> they were Wickham, weren't just, they? They were just they were oh, they, they were noisy. They were noisy, but they were half annoying. But they, they okay, are, we'll I, don't, I don't like Wickham, so if you if you're listening, Wickham fans, Connor, find Connor. Just like the City fans. Um he said Ainsworth said Bayo was a victim of games gamesmanship and again we've all looked to that. It's just like Never. I, I'm I'm not the I'm not having it. I'm not having um, that either. He said that again they expected punishment on um Gorin. But and then Ainsworth Never. had a bit of a dig by saying it's a huge he said that we were all celebrating and cheering and giving them stick because we won one nil and they had ten men for seventy five minutes. It's like he did kind of caveat it by saying that um we were great, you know, we're a great team, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it shows how far Wickham have come. I'm paraphrasing, but it kind of showed how far Wickham have come that we're celebrating that much, that result. And I can't, you know, fair enough. And again, Ainsworth is a, a very good manager, but um, he also referenced how we had it in the corners at the end to waste time. And I'm like, yes, well, yeah. we did that for because the last four one- minutes. I was going to say, because we're winning one nil and we want a result. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Uh, I think... I don't like to see it when you're playing against it, but when it's your team, you're like, yeah, get it in the corner, stick your big lad on it and and just keep winning throw-ins and whatever and stop them having the ball. And that's what we did. you got to do what you got to do to win yeah. a game of football. And it was a very important three points. So he can moan all he wants because <laughs> it won't affect the Absolutely, game. Absolutely, yeah. So um, on to some stats then. So James Henry has now scored or assisted... Um, He's basically contributed to 13 goals in his last 12 league appearances. He's obviously flying. Um, Rob Dickey, though, for me, was the standout, the absolute standout player. Um, he's Again, he's 23 years old. He had 92% pass accuracy in that game, 100% dribble success, and he did bring it out from the back an awful lot. 100, 100% of aerial challenges won, five clearances, five in- interceptions. He is an absolute yeah. genius I, I honestly, and I know this is over the top, but John Stones, when he played 23, 24 games for Barnsley in the championship, lower end of the championship was where they were. He went to Everton for three, just above three million, I think. I honestly believe that Rob Dickey will play at a similar level to John Stones. And I, I, I he's 23 years old. He's going to absolutely... Yeah. He's the same I just hope he stays with us. Yeah. Which is slightly depressing. But... You know, he's hey, he's brilliant. And I put it in the notes and I'm gonna stick by it. It's Virgil Van Dicke. That's what it is. <laughs> it, at our level of football, he is a standout player and he has been the entirety of this season and he continues to keep doing it. So I think he will attract some attention, either in January or at the end of the year. Which yeah. is sad because again it's one of those things being an Oxford United fan where, you know, you, you we have some fantastic talents in our team over past years that have gone on and some of them have done really well, like John Lundstrom, for example, whereas others like Ryan Ledson, who struggled to get into the, the Preston team, it, it's slightly depressing to see some of the better players leave. I think if he doesn't leave in January and we get promoted, he might stay. If not, perhaps we could be seeing sort of the last sort of last performances yeah. of, of Rob Dickey. In- there, there was, 
there was a Mirror article all about Dickie at one point. And then um, when we played City on Wednesday, he obviously was absolute an absolute gem in that R side. Then he was he was fantastic, and they they kept on referencing the commentators on Sky Sports. Um, you know how how multiple championship clubs or high end championship clubs were interested. There's a lot of um, local press in Derby talking about Rob Dickey at the moment. So it looks like they're one yeah. of the clubs that's absolutely interested. But I'm I, what I'm really hopeful of is that if he is. If he's going to go, I hope he goes and is loaned back. I hope it, you know, if it's a championship club, you could say, I think Derby have referenced needing to replace, um, what's his face, Keogh. Yeah. Um, so it might be more of an immediate thing, but I just would hope that we can retain him until at least the end of the season. But I, I honestly think he's our most prized asset above Brannigan in my, from my perspective. And I know that's a big shout, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think those two certainly are the ones that will be attracting some some bids or at least some some uh, grounded interest in January, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's, you know, it's all, it's all speculation at this point. We, we don't know. We don't have any inside information. So it's all, it's all speculation. Right. So we finished the game, 80% possession, 21 shots to seven, uh, 12 corners, as I've said before. We had, um again, above 10,000 in attendance, which we're going to have again at Lincoln. So that's going to be three games in a row. That's fantastic. Um, It's about time, you'd say. Right. So, after that game, we're back in the playoff places. Wickham remains seven points clear, but um, suddenly we're three points off second and second being Peterborough. Um, but we have a game in hand over both Wickham and Peterborough, an equal goal difference. So we're doing, you know, we're doing fantastically well. Again, that MK result looks really irritating now, but it's definitely yeah. not worth dwelling on that. That's going to happen every now and then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but what, what I'm doing here is ruining the League One summary. Um, and as I say that, Ben seems to have returned and is looking is looking fresh. You looking fresh, Ben? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yeah. He's back. What great timing that is. Right for that. Jesus Christ. Ben. Microphone might, to... might be going in the bit. I was I gonna say, I don't I don't reckon it's the mic, I reckon it's someone else. But you've come back. Yeah, in... I think it's sorry. sorry it's, just, it's, it's the laptop. Ever since I got this new shiny laptop, which was supposed to solve all my problems, it brought in more problems. <laughs> It just means people have had to listen to me and Connor, and that is it. Poor it's a, souls. It's a sad, exactly. It's a sad <laughs> reality for some. Um, right, Ben, you're back just in time to wrap up League One for us. Yeah, maybe we'll have to re- replace the quiz this week with um, a festive section or something like that. We'll see how we're getting on. Yeah, we'll see. Go on, Ben. Right, I'll zoom through League One. At least me coming out and coming back in means I haven't got a timer that says over an hour and a half, so that's good. Uh, very quickly, Gillingham beat MK Dons 3-1. Oh, so obviously, they beat us 1-0 last week, so that's a return to form for them. <laughs> Shrewsbury got a good victory away at uh, Blackpool. Blackpool's dropped out of the playoff places as a result. Uh, Bolton beat Southend 3-2. That's now 62 goals or something like that conceded by oh, Southend, who took the lead. Sol Campbell's genius uh, continues to shine. Uh, Bristol Rovers and Peterborough, uh, fairly solid 0-0 draw. I think they're two of the informed teams, particularly Bristol Rovers coming into it. I mean, Peterborough are now second in the table. Yeah. Bristol Rovers are fourth, so they're doing voting pretty well. Uh, Burton beat Rochdale 3-1. Coventry beat Lincoln, uh, our opponents next weekend, 1-0. Uh, and they're fifth in the table, Coventry, so they're doing all right. 
Donny drew one all with Accrington. I know we got Doncaster in a few weeks. I didn't realise quite how low down the table they were. They're in fifteenth, I thought they were. Yeah, yeah, a bit better than that. Although it does look like they've got a couple of games in hand. So they're they're not on form, Donny. I don't think they've won in their last five or six or something like that. Yeah, I think that, that seems about right. Um, Portsmouth beat Ipswich 1-0. Ipswich very much also a team not in form. They've only got three points from the last 15. They've lost the last two, so they're, they're slipping away a bit, although they are still very much in the mix in third. Uh, Rotherham drew 2 all with Fleetwood. They're both just outside the playoff places. Um, and Tramier beat Wimbledon 1-0, and they're both just above the relegation zone. Uh, Table-wise, main thing to know, we're sixth. We're three points off second. We've got a game in hand. Nice. Beautiful. The one thing that one thing that stood out for me was that um, Bristol Rovers parted company with their manager, didn't they? So whilst they were on a, I think, four or five game winning run, um, obviously until they've drawn against Ipswich, which is a credible, a credible point to be fair. Oh, sorry, Peterborough, sorry. Um, but he's gone to Mansfield, be it that I think his family lived up in um, Sheffield. So that's a, probably a good thing for us, be it that they're in fourth place and they've been flying, so... That's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, let's move on. On this day, Connor. Nice and quick. Nice and quick, yes. On this day. Well, it's not quite on this day, but it's on the 20th of December, 2014. It's not the most entertaining thing, but I found it relatively interesting, just to point out one thing. So we drew one all with Hartlepool United. It came from a uh, 65th minute equaliser from Danny Hilton. And the only reason I put this in was because obviously we play Hartlepool just after the new year. Um, it's our first fixture of 2020 uh, in an FA Cup tie. But I think what I wanted to, to note was it highlights just how we should be really happy and proud of our club, of how we've progressed since that fixture against Hartlepool, obviously gaining promotion and sustaining ourselves as a League One team. And now obviously ho- hopefully pushing for the playoff and, and promotion this year, especially given that Hartlepool's current position within the football pyramid is is two leagues below us. So just as a shout out to how well we've done in the last few years, um, although last year was a bit rocky, we still sustained as a League One and obviously this year we've, we've built upon that. So hopefully oh. going forward, we should uh, challenge a good, no, put a good fight up for a promotion. Hopefully. Good. I feel nice, nice and warm and fuzzy after that. So yeah. um, I thought, I thought you might. Thanks for it. that. No worries. Yeah. Right. Let's preview Lincoln on Boxing Day. Ben, are you going to make us feel warm and fuzzy about Lincoln? Uh, well, as much as you can, yeah. Just to start with start uh, with the 6 0, and then that will make us feel warm and happy. Sorry. Uh, so they're, they're the first team we've played twice in the league this season. Um, even though we're not quite in the second half of fixtures yet. We still haven't played Wimbledon and Ipswich home games still to be arranged. So we've already previewed them back in September. Uh, we would beat them 6-0, as Connor points out. <laughs> uh, so instead, I'll focus on how they've done in the last 10 games since then. Uh, they, they lost a replay to Ipswich in the FA Cup. And in the league, they've played 10, won three, drawn two and lost five. Uh, so not great form. Two of those three wins uh, have come this month, though. They run the, the loss away at Coventry yesterday. It was after two of those wins against Burton and Tranmere. The other was a two-nil home win against Sunderland, which was Map's first uh, as manager. Uh, of the five sides they've lost to, uh, four of them in the top ten. You got Peterborough, who is now second. Uh, Coventry were fifth, and Pompey and Blackpool, who were just outside the playoff places, and the other was Gillingham in twelfth. It was the fifth side. So they've not. Not lost to 
poor teams, as you'd say. So they, you, know, you wouldn't expect them to win all of those games. In terms of players, there's four who have now played in every league game this season, so all 20. Uh, the goalkeeper, Josh Vickers, two defenders, Harry Toffolo and Neil Erdley, uh, and the striker, Tyler Walker, who is the son of Dez. Um, and he's their top scorer with 10 goals, although only three of those have been since we played them. So they're not a team in great form, but you know, I think they've got enough players there to cause us a problem, if we, unless we play like we did in September, in which case they won't. Uh, Predictions-wise, though, I think, given given how we played this week, I think we'll beat them quite comfortably, and I think it'll probably be something like 3-0. Yeah, 3-0 is always the, the solid home bet. This <laughs> it season. is, yeah. I, I do, Tyler Walker is we all, it was someone I was hoping that we would end up signing, and um, 10 goals... I'm surprised he's actually got that many. Um, but yeah, I, Akinde, is it Akinde that plays for them as well? Akinde? Akinde, yeah, um, yeah, he plays for them. Yeah. yeah. Big lad. And um, he's always dangerous as well when he's on the pitch. But yeah, I think this isn't Map season, a bit like when he was with us. I think he, he needed that time to settle in, uh, you know, put his own stamp on the team, bring his own players in. I, I think Lincoln are going to be a mid table or lower end of the league team. This year, but yeah, you know, I I did notice that most of the games they're losing are against teams that are in a decent place, and they have had some good results against teams that we struggle against. So, I'm still I'm going to go with three nil. I think we're we're on an absolute flyer at the moment, and Baptiste and James Henry and Brannigan all came through um, the Wickham game, you know, unscathed. So I'm 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 thinking we're still going to be in a good place, and we'll carry that form on. Yeah, Connor, I'm going to go with three one. I think. Uh... I think we might concede, but I, I I echo everything you boys have said with with the performance wise and how things are going at the moment. Um, I just think we might we might we might slip up. Yeah, well, but three points. We're not yeah, with a goal. Up, oh up. no, there's no, no no with a goal. We'll slip up with a goal, but we will we will take the three points. Put it that way. Yeah. I Do you know what? <laughs> let, let, let's. Why don't we just commit to a two a two hour ish pod and just keep chatting crap for the next twenty minutes? We might as well commit now. Let's do let's do the quiz, Connor. Is that right? You haven't deleted it after my last comment. No, 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 no. The quiz is still there. I think I think we can commit, and this is our Christmas special. All right, Christmas, Chris, festively plump podcast is what we'll refer it to as. Okay. <laughs> Right, gents, we have a relatively festive quiz. I've tried to keep it... Well, I mean, the theme is based off Boxing Day. So anything in this quiz, in some form, will relate to Boxing Day results or games that have taken place on Boxing Day. So the way it's going to work is just with the eyes of the... uh, Well, sorry, the ears, rather, of uh, Ben's dodgy internet connection, I am going to fire a question at one of you. And you'll have the opportunity to answer it. If you answer it correctly, you get a point. We then have a bonus question, which you will be able to answer. If you fail to get that right, then the answer, or sorry, the the uh, question will be passed on to the other person to try and nick a point from you. So we have. Do we get do we get four each, or five each? You, How get, many two, do we get, each? you get two. You get two each. So it'll be technically technically four each if you include the bonus questions. So, and then we have a decider. So it's very short. It's a short quiz, so we'll try and rattle through it. So, right, right. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, this am, time. I, I don't know what... My, I need to get my... go There on. you go. There we go. Right. 
Let's get my notes app ready to make sure I've got the scores written down. So, the first question is for Ben. So, on Boxing Day, (laughs) on Boxing Day 2018, Oxford United played which seaside team? Um, Last year, Boxing Day. Incorrect. James. Plymouth. Incorrect. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> that was dead then. The answer was Southend United, our bogey team. Uh, so, no points there. Right. So what was the score James, in that? Is that going to be the bonus? That was the bonus, yeah. We, oh, we no. lost 1 0. We lost 1 0. So, as you didn't know it, that question's dead. So, James, your question. On Boxing Day 2015, Oxford United beat Exeter City 3-0 at home. But can you name one of the central midfield players who scored on that day? Uh, John Lundstrom. Correct. I remember the goal. It was from outside the, bo- it was from outside the box and it was a, sh- a slow, low strike. Yeah. Okay, right. Bonus question. Can you name the other goal scorer in that game? I'll give you a clue. He is a defender. Josh Ruffles. Incorrect. Oh. Ben. <laughs> any suggestions? Can you name the defender? Yeah, Baldock. Correct. It was George Baldock. Oh, Scores nice. on the doors. It's, it's one all. So, Ben. On Boxing Day in 2004, we were victorious against Leighton Orient. But who was the OUFC boss at the time? So, December um, 2004. Oh, God. Um, Ramon Diaz? <laughs> Correct. Great shout. Right, so, bonus question. No, I didn't think about this, actually. True or false? Connor, Connor, by the way, it sounds like you've swallowed your mic. Is that close? Oh, really? (laughs) Sorry, I'll get... It's the music, I'm so intense. Um, (laughs) True or false, Ben? During his playing career, Ramon Diaz played for AC Milan. True, why not? I hope this gets passed over to me. I reckon I'll know it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> false. The answer that is incorrect. I, uh, I think it's false. <laughs> <laughs> this is why this is why I screwed up because I changed it. Because mate. Connection. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, it's false. But for you to get the point, oh. can you name a team in Italy he played for? He played for three, so you have a chance. Sampdoria. Incorrect. You're not getting the point. Oh. Um, Right, James, back to you. On Boxing Day 2017, we drew 1-1 versus Gillingham. Right? Our yeah. goal scorer on that day was only 5 foot 6 inches tall. Can you name him? What year was this, sorry? 2017. 2017. Our goal scorer was 5 foot 6. Yeah. Oh. Can you name who he 2017. is? 2017. It's not Alfie. It's not Alfie, although he was a midget. 
Sam Deering was a, a historical midget. This is, this is 2017. Um, I know, I know, I know, I know. This uh, player is definitely a historical midget, but 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 only a brief. Only a brief. Um, was he that guy from Arsenal, Crowley, or whatever his name was? Oh no. Is that your answer? Yeah. No, I don't remember. Incorrect. Ben. I'll give you a clue. He's a fullback. Why did he get a clue? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like um, Ricardino. <laughs> yes. Oh, good shout. Correct. Was he only five? How tall? <laughs> five or six? <laughs> five or six, yeah. I could put him yeah. in my pocket. <laughs> right. Again, there's another question I didn't think of. True or false? We signed Ricardinho from a team in Sweden. False. Correct. Turkey or somewhere. We signed we signed him from a, a team in the Azerbaijani Premier League. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right, so Ben's won the quiz, but but we are going to do a little bonus question. Nice. So it's not on Boxing Day, this question, but it's, it's Christmassy themed because it's very, very close to Christmas. So... On December the 21st in 2008, this is just a, a question you guys have to shout in for, so shout your name first. Chris Wilder overtook or took his place as Oxygen United boss, but who did he replace? Ben. James. Ben. With Darren Patterson? Incorrect. Is it Jim Smith? It was Jim Smith. Yeah. And that is the end of today's quiz. Ben, is ben. that the first quiz you've won? I think it is. It's the first one. <laughs> first one I've had a chance without the internet, lad. Yeah. That's, yes. that's, that's the reason. See, I'm, <laughs> actually, totally I'm actually pleased that my shocking quiz was won by Ben because yeah. Ben's, Ben's got a reputation of having dodgy quizzes anyway. So, <laughs> Right. As a special treat to all our listeners, be it that this is, I, I'd say this is the this is the podcast you all families need to listen to when they're traveling to their to their loved ones in um, Chiselhampton or wherever the hell you need to go. That's that's why we've gone for this long. But let's, let's we're going to move on to our festive section. So uh, bear with us. Right, welcome to the nativity section of the Tut Manor podcast with me, James, and Connor, and Ben. Um, this seems too loud in my ears. One sec. Uh, we, we were saying, we had a bit of a chat on the WhatsApp group about um, who, in the nativity scene, who would you replace by Oxford United-related people? So... Paul Ellis gave a good shout about Peter Rhodes Brown being the angel who would announce Jesus' arrival. Uh, John's contribution was, uh, you know, Tyler Goldrum, uh, Kevin Francincense, Frankincense. I don't know how to say it to make it sound right. And then Elliot Murr as the, the three kings. That's really good. Um, Connor, out of the current squads, who would be Jesus for you? Oh, it has to be James Henry. James Henry is a uh, baby Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm saying to Ben, I might try and Photoshop this stuff in to the a nativity scene after the 
after the pod. Um, ben, who is uh, who's Mary for you? Um, who's brought Terry James Henry Biden. into the world? Uh, John Moose, oh, got... definitely. Huh? Moose. <laughs> it's got to be John. Bus- it's got to be Moose and Jamie Mackey, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Loving ja- Jamie Mackey would be a you know, very stern dad. He'd be able to raise, <laughs> raise a kid, I reckon. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of sheep around the nativity. Anyone you'd class as a sheep in the current playing squad? Maybe <laughs> someone that follows someone around? Um, I, think, <laughs> I mean, Sam Long's probably still following Chris Cadden, hoping he'll get in the side. Oh. Um, that's a bit harsh, wasn't it? That's, ta- that's really <laughs> taken the tone down from the. <laughs> that's a massive shame. <laughs> So, sorry, I've had one beer and look at me, I'm slating everyone. Right. Uh, we're going to go on to another section now. Now, we asked um, some of our fellow Yorkshire Yellows to uh, make Oxford United... Hang on, this is loud again. I can't hear what I'm even saying. <laughs> we asked some of the Yorkshire Yellows guys to make Oxford United players' names sound Christmassy. So we had uh, Christmas Tardiff. That was good. Connor, do you want to read one out? Yeah, I think this one was... I appreciate this one. Simon Clistmas. Really good. I enjoyed that one. I wish I, I, wish I was seeing these spontaneously, but if you're in your car and you heard Simon Clistmas, I hope that brought a festive smile to your face. Ben, Ben, do you want to shout out a couple? Yeah, a uh, very simple one, but effective. Nick, Merry Christmas. Very good. Uh yeah, another one I like was Sam Reindeering. I thought that was good. Really strong, really festive. A can a canny's yeah. carol was another good shout. I liked yeah. Nicky Manger, or Nicky. Yeah, you know Manga. you get it. Yeah. Manga. Um, good King Windus. Very good. And then Jack threw in a deck the Acer halls with boughs of holly, which was a uh, which was fantastic. So I'm sure you've all smashed up your radio during that section or whatever it is you're <laughs> listening to us on. Um, <laughs> radio, that'd be impressive. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I've got on radio. I think it's just the, the nature of that that music was from the 50s and I was, you know, I was going back in time, got very excited. Um, just generally a big shout out to every anyone or everyone that's listened to us um, so far this season. We're on what, episode 21? Um, yeah. it's been very involved it's taken a bit of organisation and that but we really enjoyed doing it and uh, we generally really appreciated every bit of feedback or every comment or every vote on any poll or um, any shout out ultimately that we've been given and um, yeah a big shout out to some of our regular listeners so um, Adam Slade, JB, Alan from the Yorkshire Yellows guys um, and anyone else in that group um, other people, George OUFC oh, that's his Twitter handle, don't, I don't know his surname uh, Rich Hanna, Simon, Andrew Lawrence, Tim Walker, and all the Yellow Army guys. Um, but generally, generally, genuinely, is what I mean to say. <laughs> is that whiskey? Well, I was going to say three sips of whiskey that he didn't even like, and he's slurring. I'm gone. This is my heartfelt outro, and it's it's all it's all going wrong. But um, yeah, massive, massive thank you to everyone. I think you guys would echo that, right? Yeah, definitely. It's been a really enjoyable first sort of 21 episodes. I know I've not featured on every one um, and obviously the same with Ben, but uh, you know, it's been really good fun. We really enjoy doing it and, and hopefully uh, going forward for the rest of the season, we'll continue to keep putting the content out as long as there are listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll say 
I said, we, we just we just did this as a, well, we're talking a lot about Oxford on our WhatsApp group. Why don't we just record it? And if anyone wants to listen to it, then great. I mean, I think the fact that it's still going on now is it's better than my expectations were. And we're having fun doing it. As long as people enjoy listening to it, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we wish all of you listeners a very, very Merry Christmas. Hope you all have a great um, time celebrating the festive period with your family and friends and all that. And we will be back. I think we're back before the new year, actually. Um, I think that's where next week drops and a few of us are available. So we'll have another pod in a week's time. But um, yeah, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll catch you soon. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Simon Clistmas. <laughs>